0: Good morning, Hillside. I'm uh, so glad you've joined us this morning. And let me just uh, throw out a shout-out to Russ and Holly Mormon. Holly, who we used to know as Holly Slater, grew up in this church. They got married yesterday, and I was privileged to perform that wedding and am thrilled to congratulate them with you. Let's give them applause, everybody. Way to go. Holly was on our staff here at Hillside for a while, and and, uh, we're really thrilled for you. And also, congrats! Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, honored to perform a baby dedication. Uh, we we do child dedications here at Hillside. For we did one uh, on the patio of Ryan and Carrie Sayer of their firstborn daughter, uh, beautiful little Victoria. And uh, what a thrill to uh, have them pray and, and dedicate her to the Lord. Uh, their their small group leaders were there, uh, Scott and Julie, to uh, pledge on behalf of the congregation, and uh, it was. A special moment, and uh, we wanted to share a couple pictures just so you could uh, have a window into that beautiful sunny dedication day. By the way, uh, those of you who have children who haven't been dedicated and you'd like to, to uh, consider that, um, please reach out to our office. Uh, love to uh, discern that with you, and uh, so we'd we'd love to perform more of these dedications uh, during this time. Well, we're in week two of our new series. God has a name. And last week, I threw out the challenge for us to memorize the two primary verses of this series, the the verses, verse 6 and 7 of Exodus chapter 34. And there are some of you who are keeners who learned this before I even asked it. And so, a gold star on your calendar. And then there's the rest of us who just need grace and our brains are rusty and all that. So, uh, we're going to show lots of this. a a long series, so you're going to be able to learn this. And I'm going to actually try it. Uh, Can we try it together? It's not even going to be on the screen at the bottom. You're going to have to try and do this with me, and I'll stumble uh, just to model it. The Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished, but he punishes the children and their children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generation. I think I did it. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, we're in this momentous passage where God responds to Moses' prayer, show me your glory. And as we said last week, this is really asking the question, who are you, God? What do you like? And God responds by revealing his name and giving this description that we just read of his character. Now, in our day, we might not get excited that God proclaims his name. I mean, isn't God's name God, right? Well, actually, no. God's name is is Yahweh. And And the fact that God has a name is not insignificant and actually has potential to entirely change how we relate to the living God. And and, and this is kind of foundational stuff, so uh, this is going to be a two-parter message. Uh, Today we're going to unpack God's name, and then next week we're going to look at more of the implications that his name has for how we relate to him and for how we live. Again, a shout-out to John Mark Comer, who I'm just indebted to him for his great book by the title, God as a Name inspiring and uh, it's been a good guide for me so what's in a name it's funny uh late last year angel and i applied for a nexus pass you know you can get across the border a little bit quicker it seems like it has been a useless investment on our part Uh, at this point we haven't been able to use it but in the whole online application process Something happened. Uh, I was filling out my application, then I filled out Angel's application, and uh, autocorrect or autofill, whatever it was, I got her middle name wrong. <laughs> Somehow it came out as Kitchen. Yeah. And, and we didn't even catch this until we were being interviewed uh, by a border guard uh, over this application process, and he says to Angel, he says, what an interesting middle name you have, Angel Kitchen cray. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we kind of caught it. Uh, aside from official documents where names kind of actually matter, we often in our culture treat names pretty casually. More often than not, names are, are chosen because simply a parent really likes the sound of a name. I, I got Derwin not because of some great and grand meaning but because my dad, when he was growing up on the neighboring farm, he had a best friend named Derwin. It's a rare name. I now am part of a Facebook group called My Name is Derwin. It's pretty great. But in the Bible, a a name was far more than a label. A name was a revealer of one's character and, and destiny. Names said a lot about who you were. Michael Knowles, he's an Old Testament scholar, he writes this. He says, In the world of Hebrew scriptures, a personal name was often thought to indicate something essential about the bearer's identity, origin, birth, circumstances, or the divine purpose that the bearer was intended to fulfill. So we have classic examples in scripture of God changing somebody's name. Can you can you think of a couple? The, the, the one that comes right to mind is Abraham. He started out as actually Abram, but God met Abraham and changed his name to Abram. Abram means exalted father, and Abraham means father of many nations. Quite a different name meaning. Then you have Sarai, who is Abraham's wife. Her, her name meaning is, is really kind of uncertain, but scholars make a case for it as contentious yeah not really pleasant and there's some evidence that sarai had some contentious tendencies but god comes to her and says you're no longer going to be called sarai you're going to be called sarah which means princess god god redefines her life and character she'll no longer be a person who's contentious she'll she'll be a person of royalty, a woman of royal character, and a woman through whom royalty would come. Uh, In the New Testament, uh, Jesus renamed Simon, who I I think could be, I I don't know quite what Simon means, but I think it should mean Mr. Impulsive to Peter, which means rock. (laughs) And And later, Peter would gradually lose his impulsive streak as Christ was formed in him, and he would become a solid rock-like anchor to the early church. There was no more appropriate name for a guy than, than Peter for Peter. In all of these, a new name was more than a new label. It's, it's a new identity, and it's a, a new destiny. So names, while they might be casual to us, they were not casual in Scripture. They were, in a sense, your, your bio in one word, So when Moses is on Mount Sinai asking to to see God's glory and instead Yahweh says, I will proclaim my name, the Lord Yahweh, in your presence, it's actually kind of a big deal. John Mark Comer says, he puts it this way, he says, God is saying that he'll reveal his identity to Moses. He'll let Moses in on his inner godness, the deepest reality of his being. Now, now, God having a name is, is a bit of a, it's got a bit of a backstory. Uh, as I mentioned last week, the, the story of Scripture is really the story of God. In, in the early pages of the Bible, we learn that God is creator God, <laughs> maker of everything. And later in Genesis, God initiates this uh, remarkable and, and game-changing relationship with Abraham, calling him out of his homeland and, and leading him away from his heritage and his former gods, and into a new life and a new land orientated around God. And Abraham goes, and and as I said, he becomes Abraham, and he has this really great relationship with God, and yet he still hasn't learned God's name. Um, When God comes to Abraham, he says, I am God Almighty. The, The Hebrew word for God Almighty is El Shaddai, when I heard that growing up as a kid in Sunday school, I, I thought it meant El Shaddai. Else you die. Something like that. El, as scholars will tell you, El was a word meaning king of the gods. When, when God calls himself El Shaddai, it's, it's a way of saying I'm like El, I'm like the king of the gods, but I'm so much more. In other places, God calls himself El Yon, which means God most high, Or El Olam, which means God everlasting. But most often, he was simply called the God of Abraham. And then subsequently, the God of Abraham. And then Abraham's sons, Isaac and and Jacob. All all that changes when we get to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. If you haven't read Exodus 3, it's uh, one of those great chapters in the Bible. One of my favorites. Moses is, is one of Abraham's ancestors. And by this time, the people of Abraham, they're now the Israelites, are enslaved in Egypt. And Moses has been relegated to being a shepherd, wandering in the wilderness. And one day he's out walking with his sheep uh, on one of his, you know, sojourns into the back country. And he has this amazing meetup with God, where where God speaks to him, out of all things, a, a burning bush. And God's like, don't come closer. Take take off your shoes. This is holy ground. And and God says to Moses, I am the God of your father, the the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And and, and then what happens next is we have this recorded conversation between Moses and God. It's a profound dialogue. And and God asks Moses to go and, and, and to lead the Hebrew people out of slavery and, and Moses is reluctant, but God talks him into it. Uh, I guess he has a way with that. But Moses asks the question, okay, I'm going, but who am I to say is sending me? And so it's a roundabout way of asking that show me your glory question again. What is your name? And even the way he asks is, is different than, than what you'd ask if you were meeting a stranger and asking for their name for the first time. In the original language, it's more, it's something like, who are you, and what are you like? And that's when God speaks his name for the very first time. It's an incredible moment, his name. I am who I am. In Hebrew, it's Eieh, Asher, Eieh. And one of the ways to translate this phrase, I am who I am, is I, what, whatever I am, I will be. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I love this because it means this. <laughs> whatever this God is like, he's like that all the time. He's never changing. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the unshakable nature of God, uh, the nature of God's kingdom, I should say. And the reason why his kingdom is unshakable is because God's character is unshakable. For for example, if God is forgiving, God is forgiving all the time. If God is slow to anger, he's always slow to get angry. If God is, is love, he's always loving all the time. I am who I am means I will be who I will be, which means God is consistent and stable and, and unshifting all the time. We, we used to have this saying in, in church, you know, God is good, and people would respond back with, all the time, all the time, God is good. So true. You know, my son uh, paid me one of the best compliments this year on Father's Day. He, he said to me, he said, Dad, you're a constant to me. You know, I, I can count on you. And I, I would hope that would mostly be true. Uh, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> but I know myself well enough to know it's not entirely true, that, that I've let him down and I probably will let him down again. But let me ask you, have you really, have you ever really been let down by somebody? I mean, in a hurtful, hurtful way, someone you trusted, you trusted. And, and you get the word that uh, they've been living some kind of double life right or, or or they've been lying to you or or cheating everybody in some kind of way uh, you know i i had a mentor of mine growing up that got arrested and uh, put in jail for a crime he committed and <laughs> that was devastating to find that out it can be devastating to learn that about someone well folks as john mark comer says God is not like that. There's there's no facade. There's, There's no, once you actually get to know him, he's true to his character. This is a God you can rely on. You can count on him. He's never changing. Talk about good. Well, back to the story. God tells Moses his name, and then he sends him back to Egypt, and this is what God says. He says, say to the Israelites, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Now, now this is where if you were paying attention, uh, and I know some of you were nodding off, so wake up, folks. This can get confusing. <laughs> Wasn't God's name I am who I am? Why here, when he sends Moses off, is he saying, you know, He's calling his name Yahweh. Let me explain. In in ancient Hebrew, there were no vowels in the written language. It was a way of kind of being efficient with language. In a day where, you know, people are using chisels uh, on stone, you know, to, to write words, they were being really careful not to have long, expansive words. You didn't want to chisel more letters than you needed to. And here's the thing, with with God's name Yahweh, the the vowels aren't in the original text. The the Hebrew Bible just reads uh, Y-H-W-H, four letters. And the deal is is Y-H-W-H is from the exact same root word as I am who I am, but A-A is in the first person and Yahweh is in the third person. A-A means I am, Yahweh means he is. And so when God says his name, it's AA. When we say his name, it's Yahweh. Is that clear as mud? Did you, did you follow me? You you with me? Uh, and so it actually makes Yahweh kind of a difficult word to translate. We, we don't know what the vowels were. We don't know what it sounds like. Uh, most Hebrew scholars think Yahweh is correct, but it's still kind of just a best guess. And the other thing that makes this challenging to know for sure is that over time, the people of God stopped saying God's name out loud. They were afraid of breaking the third of the Ten Commandments. You know, you you might remember what what that third commandment was, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, the the name of Yahweh your God. Over time, to prevent themselves from breaking that commandment, they actually stopped Saying his name out loud altogether. They called him other names. Uh, sometimes they just call him the name, which was Hashem. And, and the most common word they used for God was Adonai, which is a Hebrew word meaning Lord. In, in those days, there were servants and masters, and servants in that culture would, would use the word Adonai to call their master. They used Adonai, they, they began using Adonai for God. Now, because of the Jewish switch to Adonai, usually Yahweh is translated into English as the Lord. Most of our English translations do this. You'll, you'll read Lord in kind of capital letters, but what is behind that translation ought to be Yahweh. What it means is, Lord has become one of the most common terms that followers of Jesus use. When relating to God, like like in our prayers and and in our singing, oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder, I won't sing anymore, I promise, or Lord, hear our prayers, right? And and it seems like calling God Lord wouldn't really matter at all. Um, John Mark Comer really makes me think about this question. He challenges this. He says, in my opinion, it's a dangerous move that could make us miss out on a key facet of how we relate to God. Why? Because the Lord isn't a name, it's a title. Calling God the Lord is like me calling Tammy the wife. That would be weird. Why? Because I'm in a close relationship with her and that's not the language of intimacy. And he goes on to say, he says, what you call somebody says a lot about your relationship. I got to confess, I, I really love messing with people's names. I, I, it's a bit of an addiction. I do it a lot. Like, like Pastor Bill, for example. I don't call Pil, Bill Pastor Bill. or I, I actually call Bill by many names. I call him Billy. I call him Will. I call him William, Wilhelm, Wilhelmina. No, I don't call him that, I don't think, but... Billster, you you name it. I've called Bill the, that name, but but here's the thing. Yes, Bill and I are coworkers, and and he's uh, a friend, and I make friend fun of my friends' names. It'd be weird though if you think about it. If in our church environment, if Bill and Marnie and Nikki and Kevin called me boss or sir, you know. <laughs> That would say something. If they did, that would say something about the type of relationship that we had. To to a stranger, you know, someone at a gas bar or at the doctor's office, they might call you sir or or maybe Mr. Gray. To my siblings, I get called Dur. They actually shorten my name a little bit, and they're the only ones who do. They're the only ones who are allowed. To my wife, I only get called Mr. Gray when I'm in trouble, to her, it's it's more likely to be honey, or uh, she's got some other names I'm not going to share with you because they're not repeat. There are things like things like awesome hunk of a man. That's her. I think one of her favorites. Actually, she's never called me that. Uh, to my my sons, I'm dad or pops. I'm not father. I'm pops. Here's the thing. When you are in a close relationship with someone, you don't use their title. Uh, If you're married to a doctor and they insist on you calling them doctor, there's something a little bit off there, right? In the same way God wants to be called by his name, this is what God said in Exodus chapter 3, this is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. And I wonder has this shift from God's name, Yahweh, to what may feel like a, a safer option, a title of some sort, Lord, reflect that part of us that, that, that shrinks back from intimacy with God. As John Mark Comer says, we, we see the fire and the smoke up on the mountain and, and we shrink back in fear. But folks, in, in our You're seeing a trajectory in God's relationship with people. He's creator God in the garden. And and then he's God Almighty. And, and, And with Moses, he's introducing himself as Yahweh, I am who I am, I will be who I will be. And where does Jesus lead us? The trajectory is Jesus, and he invites us to call God our father, our daddy, Abba. Which is one of the most intimate personal relationship, relational names there is. Which means that God wants to be in, in relationship with us. Just, just like God had that first person, one-to-one conversation with Moses. He wants a, a first person, close relationship with you and with me. It's the, it's the greatest thing. So we get the name of God revealed to Moses back in Exodus 3. It's later on in Mount Sinai, in Exodus 34, where God again repeats his name and unpacks what it means. He says, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. (laughs) He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. And it's this beautiful picture of God, all this, this great stuff. I mean, what's not to like about a God who's gracious and compassionate and slow to anger? But then we get that last line about God punishing children, and that's just a little bit jarring, isn't it? Well, folks, I'm going to ask you to be patient about that one. We're going to get there, and I'm going to say this. It's going to be good. And and I'll say this as well. Notice for now, just this, that in all of this description of God, it tilts so heavily towards God's love and mercy and forgiveness and compassion. Heavily in that direction. Well, I said this is a two-parter. Next week, we're going to dive deeper into what God's name means for us. Let me... Let me wrap up uh, this morning with just two questions. Yahweh gives gives us his name because he wants us to know him. He invites us into a real relationship with him. And I want you to think for a moment. If you were to sort of grade your relationship with Yahweh, with God, what kind of a relationship would it be? Have you grown to the place where you and and Yahweh, you and God, are connected and close? Have you got to that place where you're actively seeking him, and you've learned to kind of lean into and and trust in in who he is and who he said he is? Or or maybe you're in this place where you're somehow keeping God at arm's reach, arm's length, at a distance. And it's more likely that you're treating God like an it rather than a person, rather than a thou. What's your relationship with him like? Is he more a stranger to you or a boss, someone far up and away? Or is Yahweh more like a trusted friend or even a father? Take a moment to consider that. What's your relationship like? Second thought is, have you come to the place where you trust and lean into the character of Yahweh? The I am who I am, the, the I will be what I will be. Yahweh's unchanging. His character is constant. He is reliable. We, we know this. We know people are gonna let us down. We know that people we love are gonna let us down. Yahweh, we can count on him. He's faithful. He's never changing. Because of his name, He will never, ever betray his name. I will proclaim my name, he says. I will be true to my name. I will be who I will be. Always. Which means in our everyday lives, which face it, folks, are such a mix of triumph and trouble, it's hard to know what on what day. In our everyday lives, God can be counted on Counted on like the very best of parents, counted on like the very best of spouses, the very best of friends. God is good, all the time, all the time. God is good always. We're gonna sing a song to conclude it. It's a bit of a classic now, but it's uh, one of my written by one of my favorite British Columbian uh, songwriters. Uh, some of you'd know him Brian Dirksen Brian Dirksen uh, he writes a song called Faithful One describing God's character of faithfulness and and he writes about the the faithfulness of God he he, he wrote it in a time where he was in a valley and and he was actually in a storm um, his his life was kind of going down and and in many ways His newborn son had been diagnosed with fragile X syndrome, a severe form of autism. And in the midst of the storm where he felt shaken, Brian pressed into the faithfulness of God. Let's sing it now together.